fucking hate that movie to this day because of that trailer. I feel I felt so I wouldn't say raped, but close to it. Radio Drone. Even though you're going to be hearing this Radio Drone after the turn of the new year, this is the last Radio Drone Peter, Cecil, and Josh are recording at the end of 2015. I'm Josh Hadley. With me is Cecil Trachtenberg. Yes. Short and to the point. And with me as always is Peter Gajic. Correct. You guys are no fun tonight. <laughs> you know, it's you all guys, business tonight. <laughs> you guys need to you guys need to loosen up. And where you would do that is you'd go to adamandeve.com. You'd use the promo code DROME and you would get 10 free gifts. You'll get six free DVDs, a free gift for him, a free gift for her, a free gift for both of you, and free US shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now, see, that was me promoting something. I was marketing Adam and Eve, and I was marketing this show. What happens when marketing goes wrong? Someone in the marketing department makes a bad, bad call. Have you seen the Star Trek Beyond teaser trailer? Yes, and I, I remember uh, I went onto Twitter, and uh, I saw that actually a bunch of trailers had just come out. Somebody had joked, they're like, you know, oh, the the you know new Star Trek trailer's out. Oh my god! And then they just did dot dot dot. Oh, and I was like, what? You know? And then I watched <laughs> it, and I had pretty much the same reaction. I was like, oh, cool, a new. Oh, it's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen as far as them not getting anything right. Like, I mean, I'll give a little bit of credit. They didn't spoil the entire movie which a lot of trailers do that's always like my worst kind of trailer the only credit i'll give them is a lot of people pointed out how weird the beastie boy sabotage was in the trailer and i'm like that actually is a somewhat clever throwback to young james t kirk in the first movie that's the only thing clever in that whole trailer is the use of sabotage and not how they used it just that particular song well it probably wasn't even all that clever it's just most likely they still had the rights to the song so they were like, well, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Well, let's let's do the Beastie Boys uh, sabotage again. And, they, you know, they slapped that on there and they kind of uh, used a little bit of musicality to kind of match it up with the, uh, the trailer. But uh, you want to talk about a trailer that did not fit. Like it just didn't feel right. It, uh, you know, it, it just it was something way out of left field. It just was it was so wrong. It was the wrong music. It was the, which then set the pacing of it wrong. The whole thing just felt wrong. Peter, did you see the Star Trek Beyond trailer? I have not. I have not watched it yet. But uh, as far as I can tell, with uh, much like the other Star Trek movies that are coming out from the mind of J.J. Of Abrams, it's uh, very evident to me that they're trying to make Star Trek look like something that isn't Star Trek, which is something more action-based and, and more Star Wars-based, which um, I guess is a good idea to try to get like non-Star Trek fans into the theater, but it's very insincere. Well, actually, I'm going to correct you on one thing, but you are right on one thing. J.J. Abrams is involved here, but he's only the executive producer of this one. Justin Lin, ah. the Fast and the Furious director, took the helm of this one. This is very much trying to sell Star Trek to a Fast and the Furious audience, isn't it? Yeah, which is really stupid because the the Fast and the Furious audience like and the Star Trek audience probably is overlapping with the newer, you know, JJ uh, Abrams version of Trek. So there really wasn't a need to to kind of jazz up the trailer so to speak. You know, they could have done a a cool orchestral thing and really made the whole thing seem epic and gotten everybody all excited instead of making it feel like something that somebody slapped together with iMovie. Here's the thing. Simon Pegg, who stars in all those new Star Trek movies as Scotty and who is a very clever writer, he's not so pleased with the trailer. They caught him outside the Star, the Star Wars Force Awakens premiere and he looked almost he looked almost crestfallen. 
when they asked him, because the Star Trek trailer premiered before it, what he thought of it. Quote, I didn't love it, because I know there's a lot more to the film. There's a lot more story and a lot more character stuff, and a lot more of what I would call Star Trek stuff that just isn't in that trailer. Unquote. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's saying that, I mean, in he, he you could see by his facial expression, he was hurt. when he Because this was clearly the first time he saw this trailer. He looked hurt because it's almost un-Star Trek to him. He basically, I think, sees this like I brought it up before. They're trying to sell Star Trek to a Fast and the Furious audience, and according to him, there's a lot more to the movie is not for a Fast and the Furious, Fast and the Furious audience. And he mm-hmm. co-wrote the script, so I hope that means it's going to be as witty and original as his other works. That said, what do you think about one of the stars and co-writers being pissed off at the trailer? Well, naturally, if he contributed to the film, not just as an actor, but as a writer and seeing a lot of what he uh, the ideas he had getting left out of it, that would obviously hurt him. And also, I think just as he's a huge science fiction fan, obviously a very big fan of, of Star Trek and Star Trek does have its own audience. By now, you would think that studios would recognize that that Star Trek is this has been this massive phenomenon since you know since the James T Kirk days the original William Shatner James T Kirk days and that you don't need to sell it to a Fast and the Furious uh, audience or even to a Star Wars esque audience you 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 want to sell it as a Star Trek picture you want the the epic music and you know the the big frames of the the huge ships and you know the space and and all that stuff this is what this is what people want to see when they when they go see a Star Trek movie they don't the the fans of that franchise of of that whole of that whole package aren't looking for Fast and the Furious are not looking for this action based empty thing using you know rap music and or heavy metal or, or you know all this all this crap like that um which you know that's there's nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with it with a cool action movie and and that kind of stuff but the fact that it has its own audience and they don't that that would hurt hurt me the same way as it hurt Simon Pegg because not only did he contribute to it but he's a big fan of Star Trek which a, a lot of people are a lot of people are going to those movies because of that because they've grown up watching it because it's this massive phenomenon and the studio is treating it with such kid gloves like like oh well, well nobody will go see it if it's actually Star Trek we have to sell it as a Fast and the Furious thing and that really is a, a slap in the face to really to really any fan of Star Trek I would say. Yeah, it's stupid that they're they're trying to mismarket it because the thing is, all right, well, let's say that they do market it to the Fast and the Furious audience. Well, then the Fast and the Furious audience, let's say, for example, they don't give a shit. They end up not caring about Star Trek at all. And then uh, you end up alienating your uh, core audience. So now... The Star Trek fans aren't going to go see it because they think that uh, it's going to be nothing like, you know, like, let's say the movie is completely different from the way that it's portrayed. Like, it's more uh, along the lines of the first uh, 2009 uh, Star Trek, uh, where it is a lot of science fiction and it's, you know, some action mixed in, too. But it's it's a lot more like that. The audience doesn't want a Fast and the Furious. They want 2009. But then the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be that. So then it comes out and then no. Nobody goes to see it because you've got the one audience that doesn't care and the other uh, side that thinks they've been alienated. So, yeah, you're it's just a stupid boneheaded move either way. I have a feeling, though, whenever I don't know when the movie's going to be released, but closer to release, we're going to see a completely different trailer. I, I would say you're probably right on that. Let's put it this way. Paramount has a really poor way of selling Star Trek. You go back to Star Trek 3. Leonard Nimoy directed the movie, co-wrote the movie. He wanted to keep the Enterprise's destruction a plot twist. Paramount's marketing department put it on the poster and put it in all the trailers. Ugh. They wanted mm-hmm. to do the same thing with Spock's death in Star Trek 2, but Nicholas Meyer had a little more pull, ironically enough, than Leonard Nimoy did. Go back to Star Trek Enterprise. Star Trek Enterprise, go look at that original trailer. This is before we'd ever seen how bad the show was. That original trailer... For decades, we've dreamed of traveling beyond our solar system. This fall, we will. Today, we're about to cross a new threshold. Witness the beginning of the Star Trek saga. Starfleet seems to think that we're ready to begin our mission. Don't screw this up. The first captain. Request permission to get underway. Take her out, Mr. Mayweather. The first crew. They have two settings, stun and kill. It would be best not to confuse them. The first trek into the final frontier. Neptune and back in six minutes. 
Just a little trouble with the bad guys. You might think about recommending seatbelts when they get home. A new era of discovery is about to begin. Let's go. Enterprise launches Wednesday, September 26th on UPN. Pop metal, late to early 2000s, late 90s pop metal, and it's all cut like like an MTV music video, and it's like, what the hell was that? And then you turn, then you find out that Enterprise was completely created literally as Star Trek for non-Star Trek fans. There's a reason it's called Enterprise in the first two seasons. The last two seasons were called Star Trek Enterprise. They made that show for people who were not star trek fans and just like what cecil said that they're most likely doing here star trek fans avoided the show because it wasn't a show for them and non-star trek fans didn't give a shit so you ended up making the show for nobody you know so paramount has a long history of not understanding how the hell to market star trek for some reason what about some other recent ones I'm going to specifically be talking about music choices here because there are some strange ones. You've got the modern audience. Like, you know, they used Sabotage in the new Star Trek trailer. Fine. The Beastie Boys have consistently been popular, and that's arguably one of their largest hits. So, fine. You used Sabotage. What about when they're marketing a new heavy CG movie to teens with classic rock? (laughs) That's the one... Remember the Wrath of the Titans trailer set to a Marilyn Manson cover of the Arrhythmic Sweet Dreams? Yeah. And you just watch that trailer and you just go, nothing is right here. The Marilyn Manson cover is actually a pretty decent cover of a song I, I like anyway. Holy shit, does that not fit a Fantasy Clash of the Titans CGI Liam Neeson Sam Worthington movie, does it? If you've watched that trailer, you go, what the hell was that? gods are losing our power we believed titans to be in prison forever now they're breaking free we mean chaos the end of the world what am i meant to do I need your help. This is for gods, not humans. You will learn someday that being half human makes you stronger than a god. Um, uh, there are a lot of trailers that just do that. Uh, it, I know it's kind of uh, a newer popular thing where they'll take an older song and you know uh, they'll put the trailer with a cover of the older song, but it'll either be like a slow sort of gothic version of it or it'll be a very bare bones version with like a little girl singing, you know, for like certain horror movies that have you ever seen the trailer for the last house on the left remake with that like soft rock cover of guns and roses, sweet child of mine. Yeah. And you go, (laughs) what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. And, and it always amazes me because then like the, the trailer, like, Oh, I shouldn't say the trailer. the The movie ends up not looking bad, but then it's just so off putting because the song is so wrong for it. I think what happened. I don't know if this was the first 
that did it. But I know years ago, it was, uh, I think it was for Gears of War 2 when they had uh, Mad World. They had the cover of Mad World. It was the Tears for Fears originally did it. And then uh, I don't remember who did the cover, but it's a very, very, very well-known cover. But it's a really moody, slow, depressing song and it kind of worked and people went nuts for it and then ever since then that's when i started seeing just they them go crazy with just weird ball cover tunes uh attaching them to trailers and because you're sitting there uh, and you're you're watching it and you're, you're kind of like, well, I, I, I kind of recognize this song and, and, and like whatever's going on in front of you doesn't exactly match. And it's supposed to just confuse you. And then like, I guess I should go see that movie because I don't know what I'm thinking right now. Along those lines, sometimes you get like the, I can't remember if it was the first or second Guardians of the Galaxy trailer where it was all set to Cherry Bomb, which, you know, considering that that the main character is from the 70s and whatnot, and he has this old mixtape, fine. But the Cherry Bomb version they're using is a modern cover. So you want that 70s nostalgia, but you won't pay for the original 70s song. Well, in the movie, they used all like the original material. And there was, um, uh, what was the, um, I don't remember now. What was the main song that they did for the trailer? Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. Oh, yeah, 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 the Uga Chaka, which, which uh, hooked on a feeling, which like it worked because it, it, I mean, people really loved that trailer. And I remember seeing that in a the theater and I thought it was a, it was a good mix because it was really unusual having such an oddball song paired with like, Something that traditionally would have probably been more of an orchestral thing, but they decided... Cherry Bomb actually would have worked, too, the way the trailer was cut to it. I was only pissed that it was a cover of Cherry Bomb. Yeah, but uh, so for whatever reason, I don't know, so they, they do dumb shit when they do, you know, they'll they'll recut trailers, they'll, they'll do things like with uh, Attack of the Clones, where... Um, it was like, who demand? Yoda man. And they were showing Yoda like like fighting with his lightsaber. And it was one of the <laughs> dumbest things I ever saw. And it and it completely spoiled the moment too, because I thought it was cool finally seeing Yoda, you know, fight with a lightsaber. And then they they ruin it by having this god awful trailer with Yoda man. Oh, it just you know, no, now now it's like a joke. Now it's not cool anymore. What about when it absolutely doesn't fit and yet it's the original song? Remember the trailer for 300 Rise of an Empire set to the original Black Sabbath War Pigs? And you're like, wow, this is so wrong that this seems like the this seems like the producer's version. We were trying to make something so intentionally bad, but they went with it anyway. That trailer is horrendous with with the Black Sabbath War Pigs over this 300 trailer. <laughs> Talking about missing the mark in terms of like what the song is about and what the movie is about. I mean, I, I don't know. They 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 think that they're clever with little choices like that, and sometimes juxtaposition can work with uh, music going over certain movie scene. Everybody can sort of say the same thing about how perfectly it works in movies like Cannibal Holocaust, having the very peaceful music with people getting ripped apart. Scorsese knows how to use. Oh yeah. It. You tell oh, me, a... House of the Rising Sun is not pitch perfect for the end of Casino. Absolutely. He's really some some filmmakers are fucking awesome at it. And then you've got those kinds of trailers. And, and to me, nothing makes me run from a movie more than shiny garbage linked in with Marilyn Manson. I, to this day, st still haven't seen either Wrath, Wrath or Clash of the Titans. And I think a lot of it owes to those trailers. They're, they're pitching to a weird audience. Let's stick with songs for a second here. The suicide, the new Suicide Squad trailer. It's a really good trailer and it's really interesting. And yet they've got the cover of a Bee Gees song in the background. And you kind of go, okay, is the audience for Suicide Squad even going to know who the Bee Gees are? Or like with the RoboCop remake, how they have Hocus Pocus by Focus in there. You're, you're making this movie for teenagers of today. Even <laughs> adults of today don't know Hocus Pocus by Focus. You go, what are you thinking? With uh, the Hocus Pocus by Focus, at least it was also in the movie. 
So I don't think that it was a good idea. I think that that was one of many problems that the movie had. But uh, <laughs> at least it, at least there was some sort of symmetry. Like when you have uh, a trailer and it's uh, the, the you know the music that you use for it is so completely off. And then the song is not in the movie itself. Then it's just like, all right, well, somebody uh, went through their you know music banks and was like, all right, well, you know, we we got the rights to an REM song. Let's let's use this and and just kind of slapped it together. Um, but at least with that, it it was in the movie and it was it was idiotic scene. Oh, it was so, it was so stupid how it was used in the movie. And yeah, it's just. Yeah. But um, so I I think that it's it's just stupid. I think that they really need to uh, uh, they really need to start working on just just fixing trailers in general. They uh, it, they just seem to be getting worse and worse. They're not improving them any. And it's almost like like I can understand. You know, I did the the video on movie posters a while ago, and not all these people that are like, well, you know, movie posters are inconsequential anymore. Because because people just go online and watch the trailer. And uh, so I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I disagree with that. But if that's what your your mindset is. But now it's coming to the point where trailers are almost becoming inconsequential. Because if they're going to keep making them this bad, then, you know, people are, I, I, you know, how many people just say, oh, God, I, I don't want to watch the trailer. or I'll only watch a little bit of it. Or, you know, I hear about the movie and then that's good enough. Putting like not even effort into it anymore. I think Cecil was onto something there in terms of just the trailers that themselves need to be fixed a fair bit and that they're just I don't trailers just suck now. They're I used to I still love going going back and watching like older trailers and I'm not saying that we should get trailers again the way Terminator 2 had or Alien or even John Carpenter's thing where they kind of went off and did this cool thing where they shot specifically for the teaser, but even like I'm even talking like I would rather see uh, trailers where they because they haven't done the score for the movie yet they use the score of another movie that the company also has the ownership to the first and, RoboCop trailer scored yes. to Terminator that is so weird to watch today it's so weird yet oddly fitting and actually kind of cool and the trailer itself is really cool it doesn't spoil a lot it shows you exactly what you need to see and the music they're using fits you know it's from another robot action movie whereas nowadays yeah you've got like they're randomly using okay the song like the hocus pocus song for one not only does it not fit in the trailer it didn't fit in the movie it doesn't fit the context of robocop it felt very shoehorned in because you know they had to make not only money off of the film itself but use of the copyrights and it's okay this this group is making money therefore it's it's all one big laundering thing i don't know it, it's dumb just overall i'm i'm sick of the like i like it when they use a song in a good way in a movie certain filmmakers know how to do it scorsese was brought up obviously ruggiero diodato knew how to do it really well tarantino Cer tarantino's good at it you know certain like reservoir dogs and Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown make great uses out of it. But but then it, it seems like everybody else seemed to think that they're Tarantino's and Scorsese's. It's like, oh, let's use this song with this scene in our movie and we'll make it cool. It's like you're, you're not going to be cool until you actually become a good filmmaker. Well, that said, now this one you can't necessarily blame the filmmakers on. This is, again, marketing department. Last week when we did the Silent Night, Deadly Night retrospective we talked about Lillian Chavian as you know Mother Superior do you guys remember her relatively small but very key role in Predator 2 as the city pathologist she has that perfect line of this doesn't match anything on their periodic table now they shot that scene with her and she has a heavy accent it's her voice in the movie yet in the trailer for Predator 2 it's still her you can see her on screen but she's dubbed by an American. Those same lines are, it has almost no weight, and it doesn't correspond to anything on the periodic table, is by an American actress. And you kind of go, wait, so you spent money to overdub her line in the trailer, but not in the film. <laughs> I don't understand you, 20th Century Fox marketing department. I don't get you. Cecil, what do you think about something like that? They specifically went out of their way to redub her for the trailer, yet it's her real voice in the movie. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Let me see. We are now at 150,000 times normal magnification. 
astonishing. This material doesn't correspond to anything on the periodic table. Uh, who knows? Uh, sometimes they just don't know what they are thinking. Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think is that maybe when they were filming, they thought that uh, she was hard to understand. But then after they got the whole movie together, they thought that... Uh, you know, she was, oh, okay, well, she sounds fine. So, or possibly maybe they intended on redubbing her in the entire movie, but they ran out of money. Who knows? Mm. It is a bit strange. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't throw me off too much, but it, it does seem like studios may be a little bit xenophobic. Like they, they want uh, American audiences to, to see it and go, this movie is super American. There's no confusing accents. There's nothing you won't understand. Um, it's weird because not only do American movies do that? I've seen like I've seen um, a trailer for Guy Ritchie's Snatch back when it first came out. There's a line in the movie. It's a Russian dude uh, talking with um, with uh, Vlada Sherbija, I believe is his name. It's the guy who plays um, Boris, Boris the Blade, who is he's going off to steal the diamond or whatever. And he's talking to his friend over the phone and he's telling him like, Frankie Fourfinger has a diamond the size of a fist. And that's in the original movie. But then in the trailer, they overdub it with a British guy for some reason. Like, and there's no real reason to it. There's no rhyme or reason. They clearly had the audio for that. They had the footage for it. And for whatever reason, they decided to ADR it for that one character. And I've seen it happen in um in other movies, in, in Terminator for the original trailer, or at least one of them. I think the theatrical, the cop that Reese runs into where he's asking him what date it is, he has a much higher voice in the trailer than he does in the original movie. I, I don't know the logic behind it. It's weird. And it just seems like, like needless effort like if you've already got the footage and already have the audio why go back and change it my only reasoning behind it is maybe they're trying to market it to to a certain audience be it an american one or a british one or maybe they just didn't have they needed to go back and adr the footage or something and they couldn't get the actor to do it until the actual release so they got whoever they could find other than that if if those aren't either of the reasons and they just did it for no reason whatsoever other than let's just have a different voice in our trailer it's it's pretty it doesn't bother me necessarily but it's pretty fucking stupid when a, mo- when a movie trailer sells you a totally different film than the one you're about to get. I would say, arguably, the, the, the biggest one of these would be Man of the Year, the Robin Williams film. I just watched the trailer right before the show. That is sold straight out as a political comedy that's satirizing the modern political process. And that stuff is in the movie for about 25 to 30% of the movie. The rest of the movie is a really dark political conspiracy and a love story movie. So you kind of go, none of that was in the advertising. And there's a reason when you look at Man of the Year's reviews, almost all of them are by people going, that's not the movie I was sold. And maybe, <laughs> no, it's still it's a good movie. And maybe if they'd sold it as a political thriller with some comedy in it, it would have been different. But somebody decided, no, let's. this is Robin Williams, we've got Louis Black, let's just sell this as a comedy. Have, have either of you guys seen Man of the Year and were you as disappointed as I was when you found out it wasn't a comedy? No, I never saw it. I haven't seen the trailer either. Um. Well, I, I did see... I did see the movie and I hadn't seen the trailer before then. So I guess I hadn't really been it, it hadn't really been enough time or, or anything for me to really be uh, disappointed by. But I do have uh, an example of kind of the same thing because I had seen the trailer for it and then saw the movie and was kind of disappointed by how different it was. I believe the movie is called A Place Beyond or A Place Between the Pines. It's a uh, pl- Ryan Gosling. A place, a-, a place Beyond the Pines. Yes, and that's a Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper movie, and it's very much advertised Gosling kind of playing the same character he played in Drive uh, versus, like, badass cop Bradley Cooper. And then Ryan Gosling dies about 20 minutes in. And then the rest of it is very much a dramatic film about, like, Gosling had a kid with Eva Mendez, and then Bradley Cooper had this other kid. Gosling's kid was sort of a, a slum kid, and then Bradley Cooper's was sort of a rich kid. And the movie is sort of a drama of those two meeting each other. And it's it was actually, it was a good movie, but it wasn't anything like the movie led you to believe. Like, it led you to believe that it was going to be sort of this action thriller, cat and mouse kind of thing, of these two kind of going head to head. And it ended up being... Not just a, a little bit of a different movie, but a completely different film. 
along those along those same lines, you've got the remake of Godzilla from a few years ago. Even Brian Cranston was pissed off at how this was sold as a Brian Cranston movie. It's a two-hour mm-hmm. film, and he dies 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah, you never know that from the trailers. Th- this was sold as Brian Cranston fighting Godzilla. Now I understand why they did it. I don't forgive them for it. This was at the height of Breaking Bad's popularity. The final season of Breaking Bad was about to gear up. It was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and all over. I see why they said, Brian Cranston's only in this movie for 40 minutes. We've got to sell this as a Brian Cranston movie. Go look <laughs> at all of the initial reviews. They were like, what the hell was that? Where's my Brian Cranston versus Godzilla movie? You'll notice his son, <laughs> the main character of the film, doesn't even appear in a single trailer. It, that was sold as a Brian Cranston movie, not Brian Cranston's in about a quarter of this movie. Movie. <laughs> but see, but see, I don't mind that as much as like when they when they sell a movie that's completely like a different genre. Like uh, I didn't mind that because it's like okay, well you're watching the movie, and I mean if everybody didn't yell and scream that Brian Cranston died, I wouldn't have known. But I mean for the people that went in, I kind of like that. Like with um, Executive Decision, it was sold like a Steven. Seagal movie and then Steven Seagal gets killed of uh, what 15 20 minutes into the film and and that was at the height of his popularity and like everybody was like holy shit so that kind of meant that oh well you know this movie anything could happen now if the lead character just died well then anybody is is fair game so with something like that where Brian Cranston gets killed a major star like that getting offed then it, it just it it was a surprise and it was unexpected and I would rather not know you know because if they if they showed in the trailer you know anymore I'm sure they probably would show him dying uh just something stupid like that so, but uh i i would rather not know that a famous actor is going to get killed in the movie i mean i get more annoyed when you know you're expecting a movie that is supposed to be a sci-fi movie and then it turns you know you're completely sold this and then it ends up being something like that like uh bridge to terabithia was sold as like a uh you know a harry potter kind of thing and it's really about these kids that are escaping the abuse of their uh, of their parents that that harry potter stuff is in there but it's definitely not the focus of the movie so so that is what is more annoying to me like i don't mind them keeping major plot things like that not part of the trailer or surprising you with it that you know oh well sh- you know shit i didn't know that uh, you know he was going to get killed or or it transitions to another character taking over the the lead like i don't mind that at all i don't i don't think that that is anything that they sh- that is bad what about when most of the trailer is made up of scenes that don't appear in any cut of the film like the Alan Smithy's Supernova from 2000 which also <laughs> goes to the weird song thing cuz okay you got fly in there which was you know a new song at the time and three dog nights mama told me not to come over the second half of the trailer and you're like who the hell are you selling this movie to the fact that literally half of that trailer does not appear in any cut of the film half of the dialogue half of the scenes do not appear in any cut of the movie does that sort of make you feel cheated in a case of like fan four stick you know that the movie was taken away from the director so you understand why half of the the trailer is not in the in the movie or something like supernova where they were just trying to save anything with supernova i mean what happens with a lot of movies what some people don't know is that they take the dailies and they'll you know stitch together a trailer while the movie's still being filmed so primarily the first trailer for the movie was when things were still with the original director and whatnot and that was what the movie was going to be and then after uh, all kinds of inner studio turmoil and whatnot and I think they and went three more directors and three two more editors <laughs> yeah they ended up with the movie that we got released in the theater so I, I look at that one Supernova is kind of an anomaly but there are movies where there are major scenes I mean Probably one of the big ones that people always talk about is the uh, the farm equipment in uh, Twister, where uh, that comes flying at the screen. I mean, that was the the stinger at the end of the trailer that just, uh, oh, my God, I got to see that movie. And then you go see the movie and then that scene never happens. I, I would it, say arguably more for our audience, the first Highlander Endgame trailer. Well, that is a case of where the That's studio a case was of deliberate deliberate lying. deliberate lying 
Yeah, that's different from what happened with Supernova. Supernova, they that was the movie that we were going to get at the time, and then it ended up changing significantly. But with with uh, Highlander, uh, they purposefully filmed stuff for the trailer to lie to the audience. And another one, the remake of Black Christmas, the studio didn't think that the footage that they had was going to be enough to appeal to that younger audience. So they spent a decent amount of money to reshoot scenes specifically for the trailer that were never supposed to be in the movie and just flat out lied to people. What about in the case of Fan 4 Stick, though? We know that since the movie was taken away from Josh Trank, half of the scenes in there, including major scenes, I mean, stuff that's in all of the TV spots, even to 20th Century Fox knew these scenes were cut and they were still in all the TV spots up till the day the movie opened. Is that kind of lying to the audience or is that just sort of expected at this point? Uh, I think with 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 Fan 4 Stick, they they knew that they were in, in trouble because, you know, of all the turmoil that the, the movie went through and whatnot. And I think that probably what happened was because they had recut the the third act of the the film uh, that there were some of those major scenes that probably were in there, but now they didn't fit in the new cut of the film. Like I think the movie, I I personally enjoyed it. Uh, I don't like, no, it was not a perfect movie. It had its issues, but I thought that for what it was, I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it was a good setup for uh, the series. Like, I think they could have improved on it if they hired a competent director and, uh, you know, put the whole thing together properly. I think that the movie was probably supposed to be like two hours long, but after all the shit that they went through with Trank and uh, not really having a third act, like a completed third act, they had to bring in uh, another director to finish everything up. And they probably just, uh, they didn't want to dump any more money into it to stretch it out to two, you know, the original two hours. So they kind of uh, raced to the finish line. I don't think it's as surprising nowadays because you have so much of that information already on the internet. Like with the Josh Trank thing, like months before the movie came out, maybe even a year before it, we already knew about his drug problems and, and how he was, you know, showing up on set high and being a dick and it was kicked off production. So we kind of already knew that we were going to get a pretty different movie than what was expected originally and what, what ideas he had. Whereas with something like Highlander Endgame or, or some of the other movies brought up where you see certain scenes that were tailor-made for the trailer and then it comes out and it's a completely different film, we didn't really have the same uh, news sources. We didn't have the same access to the internet at that time. Like when a movie like Exterminator 2 came out and had completely different scenes from, from what you actually saw in the finished picture, you you didn't know because th- there wasn't any really... You know, you didn't have a Facebook or article sites to go on on the Internet in the 80s. Like you had no idea that uh, the movie was taken away from the director of Exterminator 2 and Canon went and reshot new scenes, but still put out the, the same trailer with the director's scenes in it. So back then it was a little more insulting and a little more kind of surprising, whereas now you're, you're going to know so much about never comes up because you've, you've got so many sources within the industry that are putting stuff out and in interviews and you've got the tabloid shit and the internet shit and the YouTube shit. So you're always kind of going to know. So if, if you are surprised by it now, I don't know, you're kind of living under a rock, I guess. Well, then what about when it comes to spoilers? And Cecil bitched about this in his What the Fuck Happened to Movie Trailers video, which you should probably go and download on YouTube if you if you really want to see it. It's actually pretty decent. Way to sell it there. What about when the trailer is full of spoilers? You used to have to walk a delicate balance between you want to give the audience just enough information that they want to keep coming back, or like nowadays how trailers follow that slow buildup to a bunch of quick cuts at the end. You know, nowadays you're going to have people analyzing all those quick cuts to see what's going on. Like I remember when Predators came out. It's not really a plot spoiler, but I remember when Predators came out. It only appears for like four frames of the trailer, but somebody found that shot in the trailer and screen grabbed it of Lawrence Fishburne decloaking wearing a Predator's helmet. And you don't know how as Predator fans we were like, oh my God, I've got to know how the hell that happens but Mm -hmm. what about something like what lies beneath where the literal plot twist of the movie is showcased in the trailer now if you haven't seen what lies beneath the plot twist that's given away in the trailer 
if you know that, the entire movie doesn't work. Because the entire movie, you're going, is this is Harrison Ford setting up his wife to make her think that she's crazy because he killed his mistress? Or is his mistress actually a ghost and coming back to haunt him? If you know, and I'm not going to say w- which one of those it is in the trailer, but the trailer spells it out for you exactly, the entire movie has no suspense at all. If you know which one of those two possibilities is true, then why even go see the movie? Why not just watch the trailer for What Lies Beneath? Literally, you've got the whole movie right there. Yeah, it's really irritating. I, I just can't stand that because it's it's the laziest thing because they'll they'll do uh, they'll, they'll even like go out of their way to point it out. Recently, the big one was with Terminator Genesis, where Connor's a Terminator. I know right in the trailer, right in the trailer. Yeah. And then on top of that, they could not control themselves. If you went out of your way and was like, you know what? I want to see this movie. I, I heard there's a big spoiler. I'm not going to watch the trailer. And then lo and behold, what comes out? The freaking poster spoils the, the freaking twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, are you are you fucking kidding me? Like, did you ha- you you had to do that in it? Like, and the thing was, the movie had I think five like posters. There was you know one of one of Arnold, uh, you know uh, one of Arnold with uh, the girl, and they're holding a Terminator skull, and all those were fine. They were really cool. But then the one that they plugged the most was the one where it was the whole cast, and then in the background is John Connor as the freaking Terminator. Why in God's name would you do that to the audience? Because then. I went and saw the movie and thoroughly enjoyed it, but I would have loved to have not known that. That would have been mm-hmm. like that would have really elevated the movie for me even more. But Can instead, see- it was like you were you were expecting it the whole time. So then when it shows you're like he's Terminator, he's Terminator. Oh, he shows up, he's Terminator. Like it, it just it ruined any suspense that would have been there. Oh God, yeah, the John Connor thing with uh, Terminator Genesis was bullshit. Because um, I'm with Cecil, I enjoyed the movie, um, but I think it would have been a fair bit better not knowing that that was coming. Because knowing that it is gonna happen, every scene where John Connor is like trying to be sincere army commander, John Connor, like you know, sending Kyle Reese to the past and all that shit, the whole time you're just thinking he's gonna be a bad guy later. He's gonna be a bad guy later, and you're trying to find like little little hints of when he's going to start being bad and just assume that he's that he's an asshole just the whole time because they completely reveal it on the tr- on the in the trailers on the posters and, and yeah there were plenty of cool posters that the the ones with you know just Arnold with kind of some of the Terminator face showing or him with Sarah Connor you know with holding the Terminator head and all that stuff that there were plenty of, of other different marketing stuff they could have used and not spoiled it they could have done a trailer that doesn't show John Connor as a Terminator it's just it, it's ridiculous to, to do that and to to ruin some of the suspenseful stuff that you could have in a movie because that's something that a lot of movies are missing to be with nowadays especially big blockbuster ones there isn't enough suspense there aren't enough surprises it would be nice if we could get some of that um it it all goes back to i think um admitted as an example in one of my earliest videos where i reviewed the uh uh, an exploitation movie called uh, I Drink Your Blood. Uh, a lot of that re- review was based on making fun of how the tra- trailer spoils everything. Because the trailer for that movie markets it as a double feature, and it makes you think that it's actually called I Drink Your Blood and I Eat Your Skin. And it's showing footage from one movie, but trying to package it like it's from two different movies. And the way they do that is by showing every moment of gore in the whole film. So what's the the rest of the film that you actually watch? Well, it's about 20 minutes of, no, not even maybe 15 minutes of over-the-top violence and over-the-top acting scenes and and stuff like that and goofy shit that's enjoyable. And then the other, like, 40 minutes to an hour is just garbage filler. So It's just talking. Yeah, just really mind-numbing, boring bullshit. And and that's that's an, that's one of the extreme examples. I mean, those kind of movies, the lower-budgeted stuff did that. It's it's not how they all are. There are some really really fan. Obviously, I I love exploitation. I adore that stuff. I love horror and slasher movies. And obviously, being 14 years old and seeing that trailer for the first time, I had really wanted to see that movie and I tracked it down. I watched it and I was so I, I still fucking hate that movie to this day because of that trailer. I feel I felt so. I I wouldn't say raped, but close to it. It's it's unfair when they do that. When they they try to sell you what's going to be this over the top or or really cool thing, and then they show you pretty much everything that's going to be interesting, and then the the other hour of the film is nothing. 
what about something like the first Grindhouse trailer? The first Grindhouse trailer, which debuted on the uh, the Spike TV Scream Awards, was all footage. I mean, they're they're pumping from Robert Rodriguez, from Quentin Tarantino, from Rob Zombie, and you know they're putting all the names out there. All of the footage was from the fake Machete trailer and from Planet Terror. Before that, I'm I'm like, wow, this really doesn't seem like Tarantino's style as they're showing all this Planet Terror footage because they're saying from Quentin Tarantino, but it's all Robert Rodriguez footage. So it's like, well, that was a weird way to sell it by only using the Robert Rodriguez footage, but putting Rob Zombie's name on that by putting Eli Ross name on that, but only showing the Robert Rodriguez footage. That was a strange decision. That's really it's almost it almost borders on the same thing as the as the I I drink your blood thing because fake trailers were easily better than what we actually got. Werewolf Women of the SS was the best part of the whole movie and I loved everything <laughs> except Death Proof, but Werewolf Women of the SS was a fantastic trailer. I want that movie. I want Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. What about when a movie is ruined by its own marketing? It's marketed so weirdly that it destroys itself. Like Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane, I think, was marketed brilliantly with the whole viral campaign and bloggers being able to get lines of dialogue in the movie. And the problem was the movie wasn't very good. Bullshit. The movie was marketed brilliantly, but it was just not. It's like the Blair Witch Project, arguably one of the most brilliantly marketed movies of the pre-YouTube era. And it's one of the worst movies of the 1990s. Oh, no. God. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Wrong. No, it's not. Wrong. Exactly. Wrong. Fail. <laughs> you stink. <laughs> Again, this goes back to earlier what we were talking about with maybe selling you the wrong movie. After Paul Blart Mall Cop was such a monster hit, for some reason Warner Brothers decided, you know what? Observe and report this dark character piece of a rapist, violent piece of shit that is almost, that's not even really a comedy. Let's market this as a Paul Blart Mall Cop. Go and look at the trailer for Observe and Report, and you tell me that's got anything what to do with the goddamn movie Observe and Report. <laughs> I mean, it's it's marketed as a Paul Blart Mall Cop fun, family-friendly movie. Yeah, he's a date they... rapist psychopath in the film. That yeah, ma- it... that may be that may be one of the only um, Seth Rogen movies that I actually like, and it really is very very dark and almost a almost a depressing watch. Not in the same way that uh, Bad Lieutenant or uh, Henry are depressing, but it has a a similar vibe where you're really watching this loathsome piece of shit of a character. I, I didn't like the movie. I was just pissed at how it was sold. Or a, another one, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans which is a fantastic film, one of the best films of the 2000s, I thought. But when you look at the trailer, and it's actually a pretty good trailer, the trailer is not for the same movie that was released. The trailer is very much a drug-induced, almost Guy Ritchie-style trailer. It's almost a Fight Club-ish, Guy Ritchie-style trailer. And the movie... It's actually got a lot of depth to it. Yes, everything in that trailer happens, like the stuff with the lizards and keep shooting him, his soul still dancing. That's all in the movie, but it's only a small part of the movie. That movie is actually full of depth and real characters. And it it didn't do a a bad job in the trailer. Like It did make it seem more of an over-the-top drug-induced trip of a film like uh, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like that type of a thing. But it really was more of like an intense character study and really showed off uh, uh, acting skills of, of Nicolas Cage that people need to see, you know, the people that assume that all he is is like the Wicker Man thing. But this one, it's a movie that really shows off how awesome he is. And the movie itself has a lot of depth, a lot of mood. And it does have those those uh, drug trippy scenes, but it's, be, it's because the character himself is like a drug addict. And and that's his own little drug trips and and the, the insane dialogue like shoot him his soul's still dancing and stuff like that. It's it's so much more effective in the actual movie because they're sprinkled in at just the right moments of insanity. The movie itself isn't insane from start to finish. The movie itself is actually very very intense and has a lot of depth and great performances. And then there are scenes where he's high as a kite where it's like that and it's it's so much better in the movie than it is in the trailer. You know, my if anything, all I have to say is that people that have seen the trailer and didn't want to see the movie because they were expecting this, you know, drug trippy thing and they didn't want to see it because of that. Go back and actually watch the movie because it's a hell of a lot different than not that much different, but it is in tone 
a different film than what the trailers it's were, were trying deep, to sell. It's actually a much deeper movie. There's yeah. that, the scene at the aquarium at the end where he meets the guy whose life he saved that caused his back problem, which caused him to become the drug addict, which caused him to become the corrupt cop and finding out that he really did change this guy's life. That's actually a very gorgeous scene, the way it's shot with it's all in darkness, except for the light coming out of the giant aquarium. That's a gorgeous, deep, poignant scene. And you'd never know it from the trailer that it was full of movies. The fact that Nicolas Cage is a super corrupt, drug addicted police lieutenant has knocked up his hooker girlfriend, but at the end, <laughs> he marries her and does the right thing by her, too. Mm-hmm. Again, the trailer would never lead you to that, would it have? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Bad Lieutenant Protocol, New Orleans, Cecil? No, uh, but I did see... Oh God, I don't remember... I know I saw somebody like deconstructing it and uh, and talking pretty much the same thing, talking about how this is not, you know, the movie that the trailers made it look like. And uh, I think that uh, that was a thing. A lot of people were they were expecting, uh, you know, a Nicolas Cage goes nuts thing. Uh, One one movie where you um, like what Peter was saying with um, where they had him in the trailer just going nuts and it seemed dumb in the trailer but then in the context of the movie it worked they did that with uh, john wick where john wick was a fantastic movie oh john wick was mm-hmm. a fantastic movie but in the trailer they did the you know you keep asking me if i'm back well yeah i'd say i'm back and it like it in the trailer it seems really ham-handed and just dumb and but then in the movie in, in, in the, the movie that, it comes, that line comes at the end of arguably the worst day of his entire life yeah that's the thing. So it's like they kept pushing him and kept pushing him. And finally, he's just like, yeah, I'm back. And then proceeds to beat the shit out of everybody. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. In the context of the movie, it totally works. And I could see why they threw it in the trailer because it is, you know, a, a good trailer, it's a trailer line. line. But mm-hmm. but even still, it, it came off as hokey and it, it really... I don't know. Sometimes I don't think that uh, it needs to be there. Like there's um uh there's a, a movie coming out soon, uh The Fifth Wave, which is another like young adult movie. And the, the trailer, they, they feel the need for some reason to put voiceover in everything. So um, it's basically aliens have come to Earth and they've taken over. And now a bunch of like young adults have to fight the aliens back. Is that the and, Jillian Anderson one? N- I don't think she's in it. No, it's it's uh, the uh, Jillian Hit, Anderson's in one of Hit those. Girl. Like the mom of one of the kids, but I can't remember the title. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't I didn't see her in the trailer, but it's very possible. At the end of the trailer, you have um, uh, Chloe hit girl whose uh, name last name I'm forgetting Chloe Moretz Chloe yeah Chloe Grace Moretz she's she's a good actress I think she's gonna like really go places but she's still you know relatively young and and but in the trailer they end like there's all these aliens and she's like this is our world just like (laughs) (laughs) it's so bad and it's like they obviously threw it in there because they felt the need to end it you know on some kind of you know she's she's fighting back and kicking ass and it just totally is so bad and it's just a really flat reading and uh, i'm hoping that if that line is in the movie that they at least did a a, a, you know another take i was gonna go to tashi station and pick up some power converters right (laughs) you can play you can play with your friends later that always struck me as and that was the best take then that was the take they used imagine what takes they didn't use what about when every trailer is the same we're going to end tonight with they all have the nowadays they all have the the, i hate when people call it the inception noise you guys realize it's just a slowed down foghorn right it's it's not the inception noise i'm sick of hearing it called that seriously you find me a, a studio trailer that doesn't start out slow with some kind of narration and then builds to a crescendo. And then all of a sudden it, it, it does a bunch of fade to blacks and a bunch of quick cuts. And then the title comes up and the music goes, oh, and it actually has the, oh, and then the title after the title comes up, there's one more quick last joke. Every trailer nowadays follows this format, doesn't it? The Inception-style trailer, or just... You've got the the smash cuts with the big booming noise, whatever it is, the slowed-down foghorn. 
they, they seem to be cutting trailers a lot like that, and there's a lot of a lot of quick cuts, and then they'll go to like slow smash cuts. It's it's dull. I I think the the best example of uh, how to cut a trailer I think uh, people should check out is it it needs to start out with on the planet Arturus, and it needs to be about a 13 inch man named Dollman. I think that's the the best <laughs> way to make a trailer. We truly lost something when Don LaFontaine died, didn't we? That's right. It, it, well, it's it's not even so much that every trailer is the same. It's that uh, every trailer within its specific genre uh, seems to have its own quirks. Now, there are things that trailers share across the board. It seems that every trailer, regardless of genre, with maybe the exception of dramas. But if it's an action movie... If it's a thriller, if it's a horror movie, they all have the brrrr, and uh, and that just drives me nuts. And then a lot of action movies get the, uh, you know, well, it's it's called Inception Horns. I mean, it, it was originated with uh, the trailer for uh, Altered States. And it's just, you know, was popularized with Inception. But, uh, uh, you know, the Inception was not the first one, but Inception was the one that really got, you know, everybody to kind of rip that off. But with with that, uh, the you know, it's just known as the Inception Horns. That's just kind of what it, it became known as. But, yes, yeah, so many action movies where they'll just. <laughs> and, and it, you know, I, I, once in the trailer, fine. Twice you're pushing it when you're doing it every five seconds. And then when you're combining it with. <laughs> it's just like. All right, you're you're not even trying. And then they do the fade to black. If it's if it's a horror movie, they'll fade to black, fade to black, fade to black, and then you'll hear like somebody breathing, and then a bunch of like flashes and a quick cut of something, and then smash cut to the name of the movie. If it's an action movie, they'll fade to black a couple times, and then you know smash cut to the name of the movie and then you'll get another cut of something flying at the camera where it, or, yeah. or usually because action movies nowadays are also written as pseudo comedies you always get one last gag after mm-hmm. the titles i'm gonna break my foot off in your the movie comes out on july 24th you know it's yeah. like it's <laughs> yeah, like they... it's it's irritating how repetitive it is you, you want you want to see one of the trailers that it, it falls into some of these tropes but it's one of the trailers that originated some of these tropes so you can't call it unoriginal go back and look at the trailers for alien in 1979 or strange days in 1995 1996 mm-hmm. sorry those trailers, those are two of the best, most original movie trailers out there. And they would never make it in today's market, would they? No. Well, Strange Days was amazing because it didn't really even show you very much of the movie. It was mostly just Ray Fiennes well, the, no, uh, talking to the no, audience. That was, that was the teaser. That was the teaser. The trailer starts off like that. They cut it to the way the Laserdisc put it, one of the most kinetic movie trailers ever made. And, and mm-hmm. it's done to that Skunk on a Zazi song, Selling Jesus, and it fits so perfect. It is such a hyperactive trailer full of quick cuts that don't feel annoying for some reason. Have you ever jacked in? Have you ever wired tripped? You ready? Oh, no. oh. <laughs> this is not like TV, only better. This is life. It's a piece of somebody's life. It's about the stuff that you can't have, right? The forbidden fruit, straight from the cerebral cortex. I mean, you're there, you're doing it, you're feeling it. Are you beginning to see the possibilities here? I am your main connection to the switchboard of souls. I'm the magic man. If it's got something to do with the water, sooner or later it washes up on your beach. Fan mail from some flounder? It's the dark end of the street. How do you like it now? He recalls it all. Everything. And gives it to you. Why me? There's more to this whole thing than you think. Give us the tape right now! You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes. You know what this tape could do if it got out? I see the world opening up and swallowing us all. This is conspiracy paranoia. The issue isn't whether you're paranoid, Lenin. The issue is whether you're paranoid enough. No more games. Whatever's going on, you have to get out of here now. Get him out. This tape is a lightning bolt from God. 
It can change things, things that need changing before we all go off the end of the road. It'll be an all-out war, and you know it. No! Well, maybe it's time for a war. Oh, man, cheer up. World's gonna end in 10 minutes anyway. Probably because it wasn't really overused back then. In 96, you didn't do quick cuts like that in a trailer. Yeah, now it's just Mm. every other thing. Oh, quick cuts, quick cuts. Uh, You know, if you show more than three frames of the movie, we might get an idea what the movie is. Yeah, but that happens in the movie, too. (laughs) 13 Ghosts? I might have liked your movie if I could have seen it for more than four frames at a second. Yeah, I I just uh, I get irritated because with with the trailer... There's no need to like have them follow all the same formulas and then for them to be so goddamn long. We don't need a three, four minute trailer. You know, you could really I mean, I said 30 seconds, but I'm willing to go like, all right, fine. A minute. You know, you could make your trailer a minute. You trailers in the you ever watch 70s trailers? Oh, yeah. They're they're four and a half minutes long. Yeah. And they show like entire scenes in them. But the thing was. I don't know something about the old trailers like they they didn't they still didn't end up ruining the movie like they would show, you know, uh, uh, you know, Dolomite. He's a bad, you know, and they would show like a couple of scenes and and then, uh, you know, they would play the music and whatnot. I don't know. It just felt more like it was giving you the flavor of the movie instead of them just kind of doing this formulaic thing of, all right, well, here's the kind of movie that we want to sell. To me, the ultimate in this shit has gone too far is when they have trailers for trailers. Oh, God, When they release, like, the 18-second sneak peek for the trailer dropping tomorrow on Entertainment Tonight. I've gone, I I went, you know what? Screw you then. Peter, if people want to see you completely mismarketed, where would they go? Well, they wouldn't go to my Twitter at Cinematica or my YouTube, The Cinemasochist, or my Facebook, The Cinemasochist. They they might want to go to 1201beyond.com. I might be a little mismarketed there. Where are my t-shirts, Cassandra? Where are my t-shirts? Uh, everywhere else, you will see me marketing myself. You'll see honesty, and you will see actually some consistent content for once. And Cecil has been mismarketed his entire career because he's always wrong about everything. Where would people see <laughs> Cecil be wrong? Uh, you can see me be correct at escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, goodbadflicks on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and this <laughs> this is our world. <laughs> this is not your world. It is my world at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, don't buy into the marketing. Don't buy into the hype. And remember, trailers did used to be better. They weren't always this bad. They weren't always this formulaic. It just kind of became that way.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.